Recently, the FDA gave full approval to Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. This seems a bit strange because we've been receiving that vaccine for over eight months now, evidently without full approval. This has actually been a popular argument of the anti-vax movement for years, that many vaccines aren't safe because they don't have full FDA approval. However, these arguments are narrow-minded and don't consider the big idea that drug approval, like all science, is a process. I'm Sam Marchetti, and welcome back to On the Sidelines. Joining us on the sidelines today to talk about the process of drug approval is Lillian Diaz, a chemical biologist, Master of Public Health candidate at McGill University, and a Science for Everyone researcher. Thanks for joining us, Lily. Thanks for having me today, Sam. Excited to be here. Okay, so can you tell us what exactly is like the purpose of the FDA? Like, what's their job? Yeah, so for people who don't know, um, FDA stands for the Food and Drug Administration, and they're kind of the regulatory body or kind of like the overseeing body in the U.S. Um, in overseeing public health. So this is for like a specific group of products, um, and they want to make sure that the products being released to the market are safe and they work how they're supposed to. So while the, we often think of the FDA dealing with drugs, and I guess in the context of COVID, people have been hearing the FDA dealing a lot with drugs. They also oversee products like medical devices, food, cosmetics, the list goes on. Okay, interesting. And are these, so are these things like tested before they're sent to the FDA or is the FDA the body that's responsible for testing these, you know, foods and drugs? So the FDA are the people kind of like grant authorization or the grant approval. So the FDA does themselves, they do have a testing lab, but um, a lot of the time the company themselves, I believe, are responsible for conducting the testing and then submitting evidence to the FDA. And then the FDA just kind of reviews what they've done and says, you know, this is good or this is bad. Exactly. Yeah. And they check, make sure the science is checking out. And they also can run like their own con confirmatory testing on things. Mm, very interesting. So what's what's the Canadian equivalent up here? Because, you know, we don't have the FDA technically that, you know, runs for us. Yeah, that's a good question. I think we talk about the FDA a lot just because it's the U.S. and we always think of things in a U.S. context, I think. But the Canadian equivalent of this is actually two organizations. So Health Canada is one of them. Um, they kind of deal with the more drug and medical devices side of things. Um, and the other organization is the Canadian Food Inspection Agency or the CFIA. And as it sounds, they deal with the regulatory oversight for food in Canada. Very interesting. So before you know, last week, um, just kind of pivoting back to the FDA, were the vaccines not approved? Because all the news is saying is, oh, the vaccine's fully approved by the FDA. So have, has everyone just been taking like an unapproved vaccine for eight months? No. So it's, it's all about the wording here. So while the vaccines we were being given weren't FDA approved, which is something we've been hearing about a lot, they did have what's called emergency use authorization. So those two words sound really similar, but they do mean slightly different things. So what is like, what is that? What is the, the difference there? What's the difference between, you know, emergency use and full approval? I was just keeping it in suspense. So the um, so the full approval by the FDA. I think there's I for my research there are kind of three main things that I would say are like important differences to know between approval and authorization. I think um, one big thing is that like 
regardless of whether it was approved completely or under emergency use authorization, the FDA did look at the evidence and they did look at the science and make sure that what they were giving to us was safe. And sorry, the same thing in Health Canada's case, that what they were giving to their populations was safe, it was effective, and it wasn't, to their knowledge, going to hurt anyone. Um, so there are three main things that I talked about. The first one's timeline. So um, the emergency use authorization kind of provides like an expedited timeline to getting things to people for exactly what it sounds like during a public health crisis or in the state of emergency. Um, sometimes you need things like vaccines for COVID-19 really fast. So under the FDA, a full approval takes about six months um, when it's go gone under priority review. And if it's not under priority review, if it's just kind of like go following the general processes, it takes about 10 months under a regular review process. Um, but in the case of this emergency use authorization, it only required two months of data. Um, and the caveat there, um, which takes me into my next point. The second one is continuation of use. So under an FDA approval, you can they basically can um, continue using it like under regular circumstances as well. Um, but with an emergency use authorization or an EUA, you can only use it while a public health emergency or a public health crisis is officially um, activated. So COVID-19 is a great example of this. Right now we're in a public um, health crisis, but under an emergency use authorization, if COVID-19 was declared no longer a crisis, then it wouldn't, um, you wouldn't be able to be continuing to use that. So by granting approval for the Pfizer vaccine, and um, I forget if Moderna, just by granting approval for the vaccine, um, it allows us to continue using it even when COVID-19 is no longer a crisis, which is super important moving forward when we think about things like booster doses um, and long-term immunity. Um, and the final one is marketing. So with full FDA approval, manufacturers can actually market their drugs to the public. So if you think about things like Tylenol or Advil, um, those are drugs that are marketed to us. You've seen it in a commercial. Um, you've seen like old men, grandpas holding their backs and like taking a Tylenol to make themselves feel better. So um, when companies are granted FDA approval, they're allowed to market their drugs or their vaccines, but um, without the full FDA approval, they can't do that. So one thing that kind of stands out to me here is that, you know, with the emergency use authorization, um, you said it only requires like two months. So if we're only getting, you know, like a lesser amount of data to support that, does that not decrease our confidence in the safety of the vaccine? Um, I don't think so. So obviously, like, I think one of the big caveats with the COVID-19 vaccine has been that, like, we just don't know the long-term effects of it. Um, if you compare, like, two months for the emergency use authorization to 10 months under a regular review process. Yeah, that is quite a bit of time, but it's not to say that the FDA um, like doesn't, doesn't require um, the safety and efficacy data that they would under regular circumstances as well. They still do anything that's subject that is granted an emergency use authorization is still like subject to a high amount of scrutiny by the FDA. Um, and it still has to undergo rigorous testing. It's just in the case of a public health emergency like this, sometimes you need to get drugs out faster. Um, and it's not to say that like the science is any less good or that the approval process is like less stringent than it would be otherwise. Um, I just, the way I've been thinking of this a lot is just kind of like, do the potential benefits outweigh the p potential risks? And I think in this case, they definitely, um, the benefits definitely have outweighed the potential risks. And like we've talked about a lot before um, on your podcast, as well as um, on our Instagram account, 
like these mRNA vaccines aren't like a brand new technology. Um, we've been vaccinating populations with other vaccines for a long amount of time. So if there was some sort of a reason, a strong reason to believe that there was some horrible long-term impact, which there isn't, um, it, we would kind of have an indication of that. So two versus 10 months between um, a regular review process, I would say like, isn't, isn't um, anything crazy. So, I mean, I, I could not have phrased that better myself, um, but in terms of, you know, the time between them, so is it, it's just a matter of collecting the appropriate, you know, length of data to get full approval. Is that, is that the reason for the six months in between? Yeah, exactly. You got it exactly right. I couldn't have said that any better myself. <laughs> All right. Um, so one last question for you, because, you know, right now the, the topic is on COVID-19 vaccines, obviously, and it's been on vaccines for like a year and a half. But what other kinds of drugs and products need to go through this process? You mentioned that, you know, for example, the FDA and then obviously the equivalent in Canada um, has to review a number of, you know, foods and drugs. Uh, so can you give us a few examples of other things that would have had to go through this process? Yeah, um, pretty much any other drug you take in. So I mentioned like Tylenol, Tylenol and Advil, those have been FDA approved. Um, other biologic drugs for kind of more chronic illnesses, um, chemotherapy drugs, all kinds of those. In terms of products, um, cosmetic products do as well. They have to be tested to make sure that um, they're safe and they're not harming people. I've got one last question for you. You mentioned that one of the benefits of being a fully authorized drug is that they can market it now right? Yeah. Like Tylenol or Advil. Advil. What, one of them I think is get back to normal, whatever your normal is. I think it's Advil, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, what what, ta what tagline would you give the COVID-19 <laughs> vaccine now that it can be fully marketed? You know what? I really, um, I really like the uh, Pfizer poppy meme. So I think that would be the tag. <laughs> I'm not much of a pun girl, but I do like that one. Like, become a Pfizer poppy. I like it. Thanks, Lily, for coming on and sharing your insights with us. Thanks so much for having me, Sam. It's always fun talking to you. And thank you again for tuning in. And remember to subscribe for more conversations and some insightful answers to your questions about the science impacting your world. If you want to learn more about drug approvals and safety or any of the other topics we've talked about on this show, visit us on our Instagram or TikTok at SciForEveryone and on our website at scienceforeveryone.ca. For more information on COVID-19 vaccines specifically, check out our sister podcast, Vaccination, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. On the Sidelines is a podcast by Science for Everyone. It's produced by Sam Marchetti, Connor McLean, June Kim, and Cheryl Nguyen, with editorial help provided by Kayla Benjamin. On the Sidelines is sponsored by the University of Toronto's Student Engagement Grant.